0: You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to another week of random rewatches. And if you were at the end of our last episode, where we said we'll be back in 24 hours to cover Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Children of Time. Um, we're running a little bit late. <laughs> Unfortunately, we uh, weren't able to get it out when we promised, but. This just means we're going to continue doing this past the premiere of Star Trek Discovery, which is fine by me, because I'm pretty sure the premiere of Star Trek Discovery is going to suck. But we are here to talk about Star Trek Deep Space Nine, which we uh, randomly drew uh, for this episode. We randomly drew Season 5, Episode 22, titled Children of Time. And uh, this is our third Star Trek recap in three weeks. And uh, I'm happy we got this one and we didn't end up with a really boring episode, Uh, so we're lucky there. But Voyager's coming next week, so there still could be more boring to come. Uh, Let's get it started. My name is Colin, and is it true that I can kill someone just by looking at them? Only when I'm angry.
1: And my name is Jamie, and I wanted to tell you, Colin, that I've been in love with you for 200 years, but I didn't have the balls.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Appropriate. (laughs) Um. So this episode, like we said, season five, episode twenty-two. Uh, honestly, believe we could not have gotten luckier than to draw this because it's this. It's a perfect episode for Deep Space Nine. This feels like it's like a key episode for the entire series,
1: and it is really interesting. Actually, it's,
0: it's really just a one-off story, and yet they found a way to kind of weave in all these ongoing things of the show and and give like you know a lot for all the characters to do which we did not get last week with the Next Generation episode with Riker's rape trial Um, but this one I mean if we're just looking at like Star Trek which is really the show about peace and exploration and diplomacy Mm -hmm. three weeks in a row we've gotten uh, alternate universe Nazis a rape trial and here genocide so (laughs) I don't know if Star Trek really lives up to its reputation as being the peaceful science fiction Uh, but this is I guess one of the more peaceful episodes of Deep Space Nine so uh, before we get into covering this episode, I'm pretty sure I know where you're going to go with this, but your history with Deep Space Nine.
1: What's the one with the black captain? Yes,
0: the one we just watched.
1: <laughs> and I told you while we were watching it, I said, I thought Deep Space Nine was the one with the old lady. Yeah,
0: as we mentioned last week, you identify the old lady and the black captain, which, by the way, he's a commander, not a captain. Um, so
1: who's the captain? They don't there have is the no captain. captain.
0: Because okay, so what do you know about the premise of Deep Space Nine? Like you watch these shows with me, but I'm getting I've, the impression I've watched, you I
1: watched a lot of them with my mom too. So I've like seen stories, but I don't understand all the aspects of it. I guess okay.
0: So Deep Space Nine is technically the only show where it's not a ship, you know, in service. Deep Space Nine is a space station.
1: It and sure looks like a ship. It well, looks just like
0: the other ships. But that's here's the other thing. There were how many episodes of Deep Space Nine in total? Have we... Uh, uh, okay, 176 Deep Space Nine episodes. Only four times in 176 episodes did the space station Deep Space Nine not get shown in the episode. This is one of only four times out of 176 that Deep Space Nine, the space station, isn't shown. But... The premise of the show is that it is taking place on a massive space station. So this is where Oh, is
1: that why they said there was forty eight hundred people that crashed down on the planet? Maybe. Because I mean all forty eight hundred people wouldn't fit on one ship.
0: I don't I don't know, I don't remember that part in the episode. But Deep Space Nine is a massive space station and for example, like in the very first episode of Deep Space Nine Picard is a guest star because the Enterprise is sort of docked with Deep Space Nine, one of many ships that dock with Deep Space Nine to refuel, get supplies, stuff like that. And that's what Deep Space Nine is. It is just a space station in the middle of space that other ships will go to for, you know, refueling and stuff like that.
1: So why are they traveling around?
0: Well, they do get their own ship at a certain point to go on missions with everything that's the Defiant. Uh, they also are... Deep Space Nine is a space station that's actually guarding a wormhole. It's a wormhole that goes to a different section of the galaxy that's impossible to really travel to by ship. So it, it, Deep Space Nine, the series, involves a war over this wormhole, control of this wormhole. And But for the most part, Deep Space Nine, I think, is more of a war story. That's why there was a lot of complaints from Star Trek fans when Discovery came out, and they said this will be the first Star Trek series to really feature a war. And people were like, Deep Space Nine, uh, but at the same time, Deep Space Nine would almost be considered the most domestic Star Trek show because th- these aren't you know all military people. It- it's people who are operating a space station, and as we go through the characters, I mean, for example, you know, Cisco, uh, uh, he's the commander of Deep Space Nine. Odo is like the security officer of Deep Space Nine. He- he's a constable, you know. He's he's more like a sheriff of Deep Space Nine. Uh, but then you get um, a character like Quark, that's just the bartender at Deep Space Nine. Mm. He has a, an establishment.
1: So which which uh, series is it that has Whoopi Goldberg on it?
0: That's the next generation.
1: Oh, is it? Yeah. The one with Picard? Yes. Oh, yeah. okay.
0: But I want you to think about Deep Space Nine as like an airport terminal. That's basically what Deep Space Nine, the station, is. Uh, but in this episode... I'm sure
1: there's some people listening to this that know just about as much as I do.
0: Yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe. Um, somebody I, I, did refer to you as the, the one who doesn't know much about Star Trek.
1: I, you know what? I, I I have actually, and I'll have to do it, but I have to read my Harry Potter books first. But um, I have actually always wanted to um, uh, watch from start to finish all the Star Trek. Mm-hmm. That would probably take me a couple years to do. Yeah. But, yeah. I, I wonder how many episodes there are together uh, from beginning to the very end.
0: Oh, I mean, it's... It's it's got to be five six hundred, I would guess, like a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay, so you don't know much about Deep Space Nine, in other words, right?
1: <laughs> again, referring to me again as the one who knows nothing.
0: <laughs> Thanks. But I I did see this when it first debuted, because um, yeah, I had gotten into Next Generation, really gotten into Next Generation, maybe about a year or two before this episode uh, or the first episode of Deep Space Nine aired and I remember it airing the first time and I remember watching, I think it was a two-hour premiere and I recorded it on VHS and then you know, I I watched it uh, over the course of like two or three days because it took a while to get through and I liked it and I remember watching a lot in the first season um, didn't watch as much for a few seasons, picked back up probably closer to this point, you know uh, around season five, season six I especially remember the final season seven I watched every episode of when it was airing and uh, I would say that like Next Generation is my favorite Star Trek show, but Deep Space Nine had the best finale. Uh, the final, I guess, two-parter of Deep Space Nine is maybe the greatest thing produced in the history of Star Trek.
1: Hmm.
0: Um, now, as far as fans' response to the show goes, I would say Deep Space, Nine, Deep Space Nine might have been like the lowest rated of the Star Trek shows.
1: I don't know if it's better than the Troubles episode.
0: <laughs> well, they did Trebles on this. <laughs> That's when you probably remember that with the Tribbles, which were from the original Star Trek series, they did an episode where this crew, the, the Deep Space Nine crew, went back in time and they were on the Enterprise during the the original series episode. So you saw they would use effects so that you would see Cisco standing in the same hallway as Captain Kirk, William Shatner in the original episode. It was an episode that took place within the episode of the original series with the Tribbles, which was a really clever episode. and It has one of the best moments ever, which I think we mentioned on Discovery when you know uh, they're asking Worf, Worf, why did these Klingons not have ridges on their forehead? And he just goes, it's not something we like to talk about. <laughs> we we brought re- that up on Discovery. We should
1: review that one.
0: Well, we're already reviewing this one. Do you want to stop the recording? Go watch the... Uh, Triples episode and come back?
1: No, I mean, instead of the next time we have to do random draw, let's just pick that no, one. No, we still
0: I... got to get through Voyager and everything. Yeah, no, no. no. But anyways...
1: I, I want to watch that one next.
0: We'll watch it one of these days. Anyways, so on to Children of Time now. We've gone through our history. Um, I will say that, uh, critically, this is probably the most acclaimed Star Trek series. And it's developed such a huge following really? over... Yeah, over the last couple of years, I would say, maybe the last 10 years, Deep Space Nine is... Probably considered by many to be the best Star Trek series.
1: No it, it way! Certainly next isn't next as pop- generation. Well, it's not
0: as popular, but I think Deep Space Nine was so much deeper. You know, it, it was way more complex. Hence,
1: Deep Space Nine.
0: Exactly. <laughs> Clever. You should <laughs> use that as your opening line. Um, but uh, it, it, it's a lot more complex. It's a, a lot heavier at times. It's, it's definitely more dramatic, uh, and it, it was something different. All the other shows are just. You know, captains and their ships, and this was something where you really got to explore a lot of different things. But having said that, I feel like this episode, just just my opinion, feels more like a traditional Star Trek episode than anything else. If Deep Space Nine ever had criticism, and I think there was even criticism from Gene Roddenberry, who was not involved in the show, uh, but he died not long after. I guess I don't know if it was while they were developing it or something. But uh, the criticism is that it strayed too far from Star Trek; that it was too violent, too dark for Star Trek. It wasn't optimistic. And I can definitely see. I'm not saying I'm critical of that, but I can see people saying that that doesn't feel like Star Trek. Which this is kind episode, of funny
1: because the theme is like really like calm and like
0: the theme music. You mean yeah, yeah. This is definitely like the but, the, the, but you the know what's funny? Theme music. You probably
1: you'll probably giggle when I say this. You know what? Because it's called Deep Space Nine. Could you imagine if the theme song for it was Deep by Nine Inch Nails? Deep, deep,
0: deep, deep. I'm not familiar with that song.
1: Yeah. You don't know No, that song? I'm
0: not. <laughs> you said yes, yeah, if I am. Okay. Not familiar with it. Uh, but I'm sure it would be hilarious if I knew the song. Anyways, <laughs> um, so this series uh, had some criticism, but I feel like this episode is traditional Star Trek. This is something you would see on the original series or Next Generation that we covered last week. This feels like a traditional Star Trek episode. Uh, because it is involving everything, it's involving um, moral questions, and like we're coming off of you know Mirror Mirror, and then the rape trial episode last week, which were you know both you could argue maybe a little bit corny at times. This is like you know high class drama. I mean, what did you think of it?
1: Uh, I really liked it. I thought it was very interesting. Actually, it's funny because with um, everything going on with it, I feel like uh, this episode they could have even done like a three parter or something. Um, yeah. Uh, just uh, going more in depth about the actual story there because I found it so interesting.
0: Well, I think that um, the moral question it raises, you know, I, there was one point where I was, n- I, I'm not going to say unhappy with the episode, but I'm like, oh, this doesn't really make sense. And then they just immediately kicked into it. Uh, but the premise is, as we find out in the early episodes, the Defiant's just returning from an emission and then it's returning to Deep Space Nine. Uh, and then there's some type of planet that has some weird barrier around it. They go through this to check it out and they basically land on the planet and discover a whole colony of people. Now, when this is starting, do you remember the next generation movie Insurrection? It was Mm -hmm. Star Trek 9, the one with the planet of youth? I think so. Yeah, and that's an underrated movie. That's actually one of my favorite Star Trek movies. But this just felt like insurrection to me, that landing on this semi-primitive planet where you know all the people you know, uh, have hundreds of years of history, and then it's about an insurrection. Should we move these people off the planet? And here, they realize that these people are their own ancestors. So somehow they've traveled into this planet and 200 years into the future, and these people are saying you you this this crew this ship that you're on right now the defiant crashed here 200 years ago and we s- established a colony or you people cisco kira odo bashir warf dax you all established a colony on this planet 200 years ago and we are your ancestors a couple of generations later which is a really cool idea uh but then the episode actually gets even better than that but um that's basically the premise of the episode uh What do we we want to talk about in these opening scenes here? Um, Yeah, like I said, the similarity to Insurrection. uh, And what I felt was best in this episode is actually there's not a lot of drama going on. There's a bit of a plot line uh, about whether they're going to leave or not. But most of this episode is really just about the characters. And the first thing I just wanted to mention was O'Brien, your favorite, you mentioned last week, you said, I think that alien is more attractive than this guy. Yeah. But he's great. Like, especially on Deep Space Nine, he really got to shine. He's one of the two holdovers from Next Generation, the spinoff, but he was there from the beginning whereas Worf was brought on, you know, once Next Generation was over. And this idea that When they landed there, they're being introduced to the O'Brien descendants. And he's like, what do you mean the O'Brien descendants? Because O'Brien's wife and his child are on Deep Space Nine still. And he's like, well, if I crash here, how do I have descendants? And they break it to him. They're like, well, you know, you held out for a long time. But you realized you were never going back to your family. And they were gone forever. So you remarried. And I'm your great-great-grandson. And this is your great-great-granddaughter or whatever. Um, That's just the beginning. That's, That's kind of the least explored but it's an interesting moral question you know it's like okay let's take you 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 crash land on a planet or an island we discussed this in you know another episode but you crash land on an island and you know there's no possibility of ever going ever seeing me again Mm -hmm. uh you know are you going to remarry are you going to procreate (laughs) Uh, are you going to find somebody else if it's henry cavill or uh keanu reeves or something like that
1: That's kind of a really hard question. Because, again, like that guy uh, in the episode was talking about, you struggle with it because you have family back home, right? Mm -hmm. And, but there is that thing though where you also have to understand that desperation of you may never be found. And do you want to waste your entire life just hoping on something that may never happen again? Mm -hmm. Or do you want to live the best in your current scenario? But that would be hard if you were then eventually rescued and you had family with this person, like children or whatever, and then yet you had family back home too.
0: It's kind of hard. it got me thinking more than any of the other plot lines in this episode, because all the other ones are almost they're not things that anybody could relate to. This was something you could relate to, and the, I and mean, he, crit- he almost had
1: a chip on his shoulder about it, too. Well, yeah, I'm not, I'm not being
0: critical of the episode for this, but it was the least explored of those ideas. But that actually kind of makes sense because the reason it's least explored, like you said, he had a chip on his shoulder because other people would bring it up or he would see his descendants running around. And, you know, Bashir, the doctor, would ask him questions about it. And he'd be like, I don't want to talk about it right now. Okay, I've got a family back home. And then they're like, so you and whoever. It's like, nope, never happened. Like he blows it off, which is interesting because they even say, you know, it took him 10 years we're talking about right here as he knows what his future is, and it's 10 years in the original one where he was just waiting, again, hoping that he'd eventually get rescued, and he waited. So, I mean, it's it's good character development for O'Brien. Do you like O'Brien more than you've seen him? Uh, I mean, you saw him in Next Generation, but he was more of a background character in Next Generation. Are you still distracted by his ugliness, as you put it? Just... He's so good. He's such a great character and such a great actor.
1: But... um... You know, it's it's funny because with him having a chip a chip on his shoulder about it, um, and people thinking, "Oh, you and so and so," hey, yeah. it's so funny because it's almost like the way that he's thinking of it is like, "Hey, you're cheating on your wife," type mm-hmm. of thing. That's the way he takes it.
0: Yeah, exactly. The flip side of that is I said O'Brien had the least development. Not, not really. Bashir, who's the doctor, who's my least—I I think I mentioned this on Discovery. My least favorite character in all of the, Deep Space Nine. One of my least favorite Star Trek characters. Period. Uh, he's talking to O'Brien and, and he basically finds out, hey, do you want to know who I ended up with? I ended up with, you know, Ensign whatever. And they're like, oh really? Who's she? It's like, I don't know. She just transferred last week. But, when we get back, I'm going to ask her out. Because obviously we hit it off here. Like, it was actually a funny scene, especially for Bashir, a character I don't like. Because I feel like Bashir is a character that gets pushed too much as like a serious character. And here they're kind of making fun of him. And it almost is funny because You know, like the sleazy single guy uh, gets no drama in this episode. And it's basically, hey, there's apparently a girl that I married, so I'm going to check her out when I get home, you know? Yeah. Uh, But I'm giving credit to that because it's the one Bashir scene. Uh, Before we go through the. Well,
1: think of it that way. Like if you were, uh, if I didn't exist, and if you were stranded or whatever like that, and you were in this guy's position, and you didn't even know what this lady looked like, but then you found out you married her, and then all of a sudden. Uh, you see her and you end up passing her out, and she could be like Jennifer Garner or something. Yeah. Look at the smile can, on that can, face. One
0: can hope, right? <laughs> um, but...
1: but you love me the most, right?
0: Sure. <laughs> yes, you do. You pause? Let me edit out that pause there. <laughs> but back to what I was saying. I just, I appreciate that Bashir actually had some humor because I find Bashir to be like, a, a, a really dull a, character a tool. Mostly. Yeah. A tool. I mean, <laughs> he's, he's cheesy, uh, without intentionally being cheesy. I just, I never liked Bashir. He was the one my mom liked on the show. Um, you know, maybe that's why. Uh, but some of the other ones, like we'll get into the sto- the storyline, which really takes backseat, but I just want to cover how this episode used this plot line to further all these relationships on the show. Because, Gene Roddenberry intended with The Next Generation, you know, whereas the original Star Trek show, he's like, this is just a crew on a submarine, essentially. That's what the equivalent would be. Uh, with Next Generation, he wanted to explore the idea that families live on the Enterprise. you know, Because it's not a military vessel, people would be there like, not just Crusher and you know, Dr. Crusher and Wesley Crusher, but that O'Brien. Like For example, when O'Brien was on Next Generation, he was a supporting character. He wouldn't appear in every episode. He'd be there every once in a while but O'Brien was married on the next generation show and his wife had a baby. And it's maybe my favorite or one of my favorite next generation episodes of all time where O'Brien's wife gives birth and warfs the one that actually gives birth to the baby. Uh, And talking about my mom, one of my mom's favorite,
1: you mean that he aids in the birth of the baby? He doesn't yes, give birth he, to the well, baby.
0: He, he, no, he doesn't. <laughs> His wife's just like you take it no but uh <laughs> good point. <laughs> uh rephrase Wharf delivers the baby. That's right. Um it, it's it's a great episode where it's called Disaster and the ship's kind of uh uh separated and oh, I think I've seen shut that one down yeah. yeah, yeah. She's giving birth and Worf has to kind of be the midwife and talking about my mom, my mom's maybe my mom's favorite Star Trek moment of all time that she would always quote is the one where O'Brien's wife is giving birth and she's having contractions. She's like, ah, ah. And Worf just looks at her and goes, this is not a good time. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, Worf has great humor. There's a great one I, I use as my opening line in this too. But um, so yeah, like uh, you have O'Brien's story. Um, you have uh, Cisco. I don't remember if they really say Cisco had descendants there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they, He didn't really have his
0: own storyline.
1: Yeah, no, there was a point where he was holding up a kid. I can't remember if it was a girl or a boy. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think it was a boy. And uh, they... Okay, I'm not racist people. I'm just pointing this oh. out. So the kid that he was holding obviously was black. And the mom of the kid was black. And and then she says, Oh, I think he has your eyes. Yeah, I didn't imply. that. Yeah, implying that they would be his descendants.
0: Okay, well... Um.
1: They kinda obviously t- they kind of touched on every character. I think. Well, that,
0: yeah. I want to get into the, the major part. ones here, so we'll talk about. We'll save the big one for last, but they briefly touch on Worf and Dax. Dax, as you said, is the parasite lady, mm-hmm. <laughs> which the idea of her character is very interesting. That there's, I guess, you would just consider it a parasite, but it's it's actually just a living creature that's peaceful. That. Will attach itself or live inside of a new human. and When that person dies, they pick a new host, but it retains all the memories from the past life, uh, which is why Cisco refers to Dax as old you man. Say, you say
1: peaceful, but doesn't that kind of take over that person's life? No. That's not very peaceful.
0: No, no, it just it brings with it the all of the the memories of past lives. Um, which is why Cisco refers to Dax, this young woman, as old man throughout the course of the show. Because he knew the previous host that Dax was in. Okay. Uh, but uh, we'll talk about this in a second. Because I don't know if this is a point in the series where Dax and Worf were in a relationship. Because I think that, that did come about in season 5. But they explore that here where they say, well, on this planet, you know, uh, Dax, you married Worf. And she's like, really? Interesting. Um, they do end up getting married on the show. Um, and the, the most interesting thing is that they don't have like the happy ending because the actress who played Dax left the show, uh, at the end of the sixth season and they recast her. Well, they didn't recast her. They replaced her. So Dax attached herself to a new host. And then this new host was like, well, I'm technically married to you, Worf, but I'm not because I'm a new person. And then she ends up with Bashir in the end and Worf ends up alone. Um, but it's, it's interesting here. I would love to know where the position is in the show is if Dax and Worf were already a couple uh, or if this is like long before that because hmm. they do that with Odo. But uh, that's one of the, the... Really, the more I dissect this, this is kind of just a soap opera episode of Deep Face 9. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's good. It's good. You know, like I said, high-class soap opera. Um, so there's that one. Uh, and... Uh, what are the ones we have to cover? I'm going to save the good one for last. I'm just making sure we're not missing anything here. We did O'Brien, Worf, Dax, Bashir. um,
1: There's a Kira lady, but obviously she died. She doesn't have anybody.
0: Well, let's let's cover that because that's the big one to talk about here. So the whole plot is revolving around Kira uh, and that she basically died on this planet because she had some type of virus. So the crew of the Defiant, the, the present day ones, who are now 200 years in the future, essentially, they want to get back. So like, well, here's going to die. We need to give her treatment, but they're also like, we can prevent us from crashing on this planet. Um, this brings about the moral dilemma of the episode, because the descendant of Dax, this guy in the episode, he tells them I do have a theory about how you could return to your timeline, not crash on this planet because now you know what to do to avoid that and not disrupt our time. Because that's the whole plot of the episode is that, If you were to return and not crash and settle on this planet like you guys did 200 years ago, none of us exist. You basically wipe us out from existence. Yeah. And so this guy presents this theory that, like, I can actually make it possible for, you know, both of our timelines to exist. Which really is thrown away halfway through the episode where, like, he's lying. This isn't possible to do. It was just a way of stalling before they could create more drama later on, uh, which was okay. But, yeah, Kira is going to um, basically die if she stays there. But if she leaves, that's the drama, is that if she leaves, she's going to live. But all these 8,000 people 200 years in the future will never have existed.
1: And that's kind of interesting. Think about, about it for yourself or, for me, the same type of thing. Would you die for 8,000 people to live? No. <laughs> <laughs> You wouldn't even give it a second thought. Well, I mean, these but this is
0: the thing—they don't exist yet, right? Yeah. And they bring up an interesting question this episode because we'll get to the soap opera part of this later. But they bring up an interesting point in this episode, like how about all the people who are not going to exist because we don't return to Deep Space Nine? Now you're basically dealing with two timelines, right? You're like, okay, let's let's use this scenario. I am abandoned on a, a planet. 200 years in the future right or i'm abandoned on a planet on that planet uh i find out that i mated successfully many times with jennifer garner <laughs> and but, i had but, with, with, a new family without
1: her having uh, been with uh...
0: without her having ever touched ben affleck which <sighs> sours her
1: uh, <laughs> As you've told me many times. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you, you got, you, she's literally asked that question. She's like, would you leave me for Jennifer Garner? I'm like, no,
1: man, she's had sex with Ben Affleck. <laughs>
0: <Ew>. <laughs> so you for good. But anyways, um, but I have that timeline, right? Okay, so now 200 years in the future, I know there's going to be 8,000 people who have spawned off of the Colin Hilding-Jennifer Garner um, mating plan. hmm but then I'm like, okay, I know that I can prevent that, and I can come back, and I'll have you and everybody else. Now, how are you going to weigh those two features? That's the only problem this episode. They only briefly mention it, but you think about that. 8,000 people will have never existed on that colony if they bring Kira back and cure her, and the crew never crashes. But if they were to go back to Deep Space Nine, they're going to get married. They're going to have children there. Those people are going to have children. Yeah you're now destroying that timeline that didn't exist. and So the, it
1: really is no win, well, no yeah, matter it's, what.
0: Well, sort of. I mean, it, it more becomes a question of, are they pushing so hard to not leave this place? Because that's what a lot of this episode is. Can we actually let these 8,000 people have never existed by going back? Can we bring ourselves to basically do that and commit genocide in a way, which I joked about? Um, but the reason they feel bad about it is because they have to see the people. And that's where the episode got really clever because they they had a lot of back and forth. And Kira said, I'm going to stay because I don't think these people should have to die or have never, I keep saying die, but it's more like have never existed. So she's like, I want to stay. And then you have the guy trying to trick them. And then you have, you know, Worf saying I'll stay. And then Cisco's basically like, no, we're all leaving. Because again, what about all the people at Deep Space Nine who will never exist if we stay here? And then ultimately it comes down to one thing. Do you remember what it was with O'Brien? What? he's just watching the kids playing yeah. on planting day, which by the way, was like the most boring thing to watch. You're thinking about well, this is their last day alive. And they're like, let's plant a bunch of plants and trees and vegetables and fruits for our harvest that we all know is not going to exist in six hours. Um, but I do want to give the show credit because they filmed this on location and an interesting be a trivia that that scene when um, O'Brien sees the little kids playing and he's just like, I can't do it. I can't, you know, pretend these people never existed now that becomes the moral question of the episode where it's more uh can we we would be able to watch people on deep space nine have never existed
1: because we've, we can't see we've them. never seen it yeah,
0: yeah and they're actually having to see these people and know well this is where it would go so that's really cool um but yeah the, the scenes that they film like out in the field and everything did you notice how windy it was in the episode
1: mm-hmm.
0: apparently it was like extreme winds when they filmed this like extreme winds and, uh, it was freezing too. And the, uh, the, the crew or the, sorry, the crew all had actual winter jackets on just because of the, the, the chill from the wind and it was supposed to be hot outside and they're supposed to be farming. So they had to spray the people down to make them look like they're sweating, have their sleeves rolled up. Imagine like if we're filming, like it's today's a, a nice day in Winnipeg winter, it's minus five Celsius. So it's just below freezing temperature. Imagine if it was like this outside and you had to be outside for, you know, an hour or so filming a scene with your sleeves rolled up and fake sweating on like that wouldn't be very fun no uh, but i thought that this episode especially for a show that star trek in general is usually taking place on a ship or it's taking place on a set to look like a planet here this is just a regular place they filmed it on location it made the show look different it made it look bigger
1: Mm-hmm. no i agree with you where so you didn't mention though where was it
0: uh ventura california
1: oh okay and so- that was cold
0: well, because of the wind, I guess I thought was California was supposed to be, like, super hot. Well, yeah, but you, you got to imagine winds like that. I mean, if it's, you know, 30 degrees Celsius out here, you know, a hot day in summer, and the winds are 100 kilometers an hour, you know, you're going to feel that. I've
1: never been cold in the summertime. Oh, please. These people are weak.
0: Um, <laughs> coming they, from a they Winnipeg. De- they
1: deserve to die. are Canadian. They're
0: weak. <laughs> they can't stand the cold.
1: <laughs> Get off of my planet. <laughs> um... So
0: yeah, I, I I like the whole conflict and the, the moral question because Star Trek does this a lot, but it's not like it's something that we always get, you know? Um, even the Mirror Mirror episode, you don't get a lot of that moral questioning, but but this, this is why I said it was similar to Insurrection because Insurrection uh, brings up the moral question of when they find a planet or a colony very similar to this and the Federation wants to remove them because they say, well, they're not the true descendants of this planet. That that becomes a moral question. Well, do they have a right to be there because this is their home or do they not have a right to be there because they didn't call or they didn't, they weren't born here. They're not indigenous to the planet. Uh, so the, the moral question this episode is what makes it so interesting. L- leaving the last bit of soap opera drama here. So the, the relationship between Kira and Odo, which comes out because Kira is on this planet knowing that, you know, she's going to die and that these people will have to live if she dies uh and she finds Odo there and Odo comes up now Odo is now 200 years older in the future and this is the shapeshifter guy who's i think
1: mm. Mm. Oh.
0: <laughs> so Odo is by far my favorite deep space 9 character um i don't know if you have an opinion on the characters you saw in this episode but Odo's amazing and 200 year old Odo basically comes and declares his love for Kira uh Which she's like, what? Like, she's all shocked by it. Again, not knowing the context. I knew that in the later uh, seasons of this show, they were in a relationship. uh, Which, they were together all the way to the end of the finale as well. I won't spoil how the finale goes in case you eventually get around to your 700 days of Star Trek. Maybe. Uh, But uh, this is really the first, like, this is why I say it's important for the Star Trek series. Because not only do you have these hints at, like, the the Wharf Dax future you get the Kira Odo thing, which becomes very important later on. Uh, and the way that this came up uh, was really the, the, the writer of this episode was looking back on like a season two episode where which was one of the first times they just sort of hinted at, you know, Odo maybe having a thing for Kira. And the show, imagine it's gone five years and they've never explored this really. And here he wanted to actually settle it. And strangely enough, for that reason, the the two actors don't care for this episode as good as I think this episode is those actors didn't like the episode because of this they were unhappy with it because they said they didn't like the idea of a relationship on the show um that they thought it would have been better with them just having like a re- really good friendship you know uh, and it's not something we see a lot in Star Trek I mean they did you know Riker and Troy in Next Generation they actually teased Worf and Troy for a while in Next Generation Uh, But this was like a first for Star Trek where they have two characters involved in like a real love story and they waited five years to get here. And strangely enough, the actors didn't care for it at all. I mean, what did you think of this?
1: Um, I don't know. Like, uh, again, I liked it. I thought it was really interesting. Um, I wish that they could have done it where it was actually more uh, dragged out into like three episodes, like even a three-parter.
0: Well, yeah, but but this is where I, I like it because, again, having not seen this episode and not knowing this is the very moment where they really... I guess elevated that story between Kira and Odo. Um, it's like watching a bit of history. It's like watching a prequel. You know, like you think about like the Star Wars prequels. You grow up watching Star Wars, you don't know how Darth Vader, you know, ter- turned to Darth Vader. And then you go back and watch it, you know what's going to be coming. And then when you see it, you're like, oh, so that's how it happened. That's kind of what this was for me. I'm like, oh, so right. that's how it happened. But they leave it open. And this is what I like best about the episode is that. I thought this would just be this moment where, you know, future Odo declares his undying love for her. And then she comes back and it's like, well, now, you know, but the young Odo is not going to know that she knows, knowing that he knows that she knows she knows. Um, But they, I wish they'd gone a little bit more in that direction where she actually confronts him and he's like, oh, oh, okay. But
1: yeah, that would have been a little bit more interesting.
0: But the trade-off is, is that he's like, the old Odo told me about this before we left. So I know that he told you all this. And then she's like, yeah, you know, um, I'm not sure how I feel. And then he's like, by the way, I want you to know, because they speculate, well, who was, we should cover here. They decide they're going to still crash on the planet. They're like, we will let these 8,000 people live. We're going to go along with this history and give up our families and everything. So these 8,000 people can live. And when they're in the middle of doing this, all of a sudden they can't, They have no control over the ship, and it doesn't crash on the planet. And they're like, somebody changed our flight plan. They're speculating it's this guy who's a descendant of Dax because his entire mission was he would even trick them into making sure his colony still exists. And then they drop this bomb in the end where Odo's like, no, old Odo told me that he did it. 200-year-old Odo is the one who changed our flight plans. So he let these 8,000 people die, you know? Yeah. Which is... You know, Odo commits genocide in this episode, right? Riker maybe rapes a woman. Odo commits, commits genocide. Um, but that just made it so much better because you think like it's, just, it's a happy end of the episode. And I was kind of disappointed that it wasn't as climactic as I thought it would be. I thought there'd be like a big moment. I knew that they weren't going to stay there because there was two more seasons of the show. Right. And then it's like, well... Somebody changed the flight plan, and that's sort of it. But then they drop this bomb where it's like, Odo did it, and she freaks out on him. So just a second ago, she's like, Odo, I never knew you were in love with me. And you're like, Oh, they're gonna have a future. They're gonna have shapeshifter Bajoran babies (laughs) and then it's like, Odo, how could you do this? He's like, I didn't do it, (laughs) it was future me. And I love that he's getting he's getting uh torn down by this woman, um, who he's kept his feelings from for years. For something that he hasn't even done yet.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> for
0: something that he might do in 200 years. And I love the last line that she has, where she's like, you know, why would he do that? And he goes, he did it because, you know, he loved, he, you. He loved you that much. And she's like, and he,
1: that makes it right. That
0: makes it right. He goes, I don't know. And that's just cool because this Odo, she even mentions when she meets old Odo later on, it's like, you're not like old, you're not like young Odo at all. You know, he's so closed off. And that's what I love about the Odo character is he's so like. I wouldn't even say serious, just stern and like closed off Private, or be private. Yeah. yeah. Uh but like he's not like a shy person. He's just he's you know, he's not gonna uh say anything personal in any way whatsoever.
1: That's kind of the way you are.
0: I'm Odo, okay, thanks. <laughs> um I would kill eight thousand people for and you, I'm, Jamie. That's not like Odo.
1: I'm a hundred percent the opposite where I tell everybody everything. Yeah. Uh Colin's like me, And that makes it right. Colin's like, maybe work on that,
0: Jamie. <laughs> uh but yeah, like, Odo commits genocide, and then you actually think, like, well, A, this makes this ending so much better because now it's like, well, Odo did this. And I'm thinking in my head, was Odo okay with killing all these people because he was the only one who wasn't going to die? Everybody else was dead 200 years later, and he wasn't. So think about it from that point of view. If you're like, I'm going to kill 8,000 people, but I'm going to live no matter what, so who cares, <laughs> right?
1: Yeah, well, he, he's already on the ship, right? So,
0: so he made the selfish decision that nobody else made. And then, that, the, I actually felt like that made... This Kira Odo love story, and I don't care about love stories at all and stuff like this. I and mean, we've covered that on the show. Yeah. Um, ben mocks me for it. I, I don't care for romance at all. But I'm like, I actually really like this love story now because Odo was willing to basically wipe eight thousand people from existence, and yet you get a guy like O'Brien who's been married for years, who has children, who's like, I can't wait to wipe eight thousand people for existence just to see my wife again. And Odo's like, I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> he's
1: he's kind of crazy. A little bit. Must be because he's been alive for 200 years.
0: <laughs> what, the longer you're alive, the more of a sociopath well, you become?
1: Well, he didn't show that he was with anybody else. He was probably, like, lonely and just crazy. I mean,
0: let's look at it. I mean, look at the man.
1: I mean, if you didn't... If, if you had to
0: choose to know if, O'Brien and Odo, who if you If you taking?
1: basically had to live forever and you didn't have, you know... If you didn't bang anybody for 200 years, <laughs> you'd probably be pretty frustrated, too.
0: <laughs> well, but this is my question, okay? O'Brien can get a wife. Why can Odo not get a wife? Which one would you take, Odo or O'Brien?
1: Well, maybe he was just obsessed with her and didn't want anybody else.
0: That wasn't my question.
1: I I don't know.
0: Would you take Odo or would you take O'Brien? I don't know. (laughs) Which one's more hideous to you?
1: Like, does Odo still have a penis? Like, (laughs) He's a shapeshifter. Can he shapeshift into whatever kind of shape you want? (laughs) I'm sure he can. (laughs) Can he shapeshift his penis, too? All right. All right. Let's end it there. (laughs) And you were the one that was just like, Jamie, talk. No. And now you're like, Jamie, shut up. I'm
0: now. so yeah i love the ending of this episode and this is why i like best about the episode it's not complex at all it's not exciting at all no. and you know, somehow it's like a perfect episode it's
1: very toned down
0: yeah there's no action whatsoever there's very little drama the, the most dramatic moment is the the twist on the end where you realize who did this and and kira flips out of them. and that's the other part i liked is that you think oh well they're gonna have this happy relationship now it's like well, now she's mad at him for something he hasn't done, and they, and they kinda, probably dragged this out for And they kind of leave
1: it open where she's like, I really don't know how to feel about this, and he kind of says like, the same. he's like, yeah, I don't know either. Yeah, so <laughs> um, you don't know.
0: No, it's it's like, overall, are you are going to buy this rented or bin it? I'd buy it. I'm going to buy it, too. I mean, this is... Mirror Mirror was a great episode of Star Trek. Like I said, how lucky we were that that was randomly drawn. We're even lucky we randomly drew this one. Like I, I said, I've probably seen every episode of the original Star Trek series and Next Generation. Um, I've seen probably every episode of... Uh, uh, Enterprise, just because it had fewer seasons, but because Deep Space Nine and Voyager were on in their original run, I was watching it in their original runs. You know, I wouldn't watch it every single week. And if I go back to watch Star Trek, I'm usually choosing to go back to watch Next Generation, which is the reason that I haven't seen every episode of ne- uh, Deep Space Nine and Voyager. Now, having seen this one, I'm like, I gotta watch more Deep Space Nine.
1: Yeah, I want to watch them all. I don't think the old one is on Netflix though.
0: They're all on Netflix, in Canada at least. The the
1: old Star Trek? Yeah.
0: How did did we watch Mirror Mirror?
1: No, the first one, is it the... the...
0: Which one was before William Shatner? Oh, I don't know. (laughs) Are you like, where's the Christopher Pike series? We
1: we, we watched that on Netflix? Yes! Hmm. I don't remember that. Okay, well, I'll have to start that that at some point. (laughs) And see, when I have the twins, I'll be so busy with breastfeeding them both that I'll have to just basically sit here watching TV all day.
0: You know, we've debated coming up with boys' names. This is just on a personal note. Um, we had a very hard time agreeing on one boy's name, let alone two, and even harder time picking middle names. So we've had a lot of things thrown out there, where it's like, can we use this as a middle name? Can we throw? Use We're this not going to use name? Bashir. I didn't want. Why would I want Bashir of all people? I don't know. No, could we do like Cisco and Odo as middle names? No. Yeah, That's like weird. blank Cisco Odo Hilding.
1: Sisko is, like, the guy who sings that thong song. and <laughs> He's cool, right? And Odo sounds like a dog's name.
0: <laughs> well, it's O-D. <laughs> well, oh, we, we've missed the Worf story. Let's cover that really quickly. Okay. So Worf has these descendants who are Klingon, but, of course, because he's the only pure-blood Klingon, there are going to be no pure-blood Klingons 200 years later. So you have some that look more Klingon than others, but none of them look full Klingon. And then they even ask. cuz like, you're all Klingon. And they're like... Some of us by choice, some of us, you know, uh, by birth. And you realize that Klingon has basically just become a tribe or a club, if anything else. It's like, club. do you want to join the Klingon club? Because you have this little blonde haired kid who's like, I'm going to be a Klingon when I grow up too. <laughs> that was Worf's Starland. It's not like there was a lot going on there. But I I find like, here's the thing. Worf is one of my favorite characters in all of Star Trek. But I find the Klingon culture to be very, very boring. I know these people who will learn Klingon dialect and stuff like that. Every time there's an episode that deals with the I like the Klingons of villains, but every time there's an episode that deals with Klingon culture, this is why I had a lot of problems with uh Discovery. It's just so boring. But to be able to see like Worf as like the leader of this tribe was really cool, especially since he's like I'm okay with you all dying.
1: I actually <laughs> I actually like the Klingon Stuff, it's just uh, they get they get like too into all the
0: technical stuff. I'm not into it.
1: I like it. I don't know. All right, I find it interesting.
0: Um, I just like that Worf was willing to commit genocide without any issues, uh, even though he's all proud of it. And they have that, that great line, too, where um, uh, what is it, uh, um, Worf uh, or who is it, O'Brien says to Worf, uh, you know about uh you you hardly ever see your kid <laughs> which is funny because Worf has a son who appears every once in a while on Star Trek and you know just sort of disappeared after a while but anyways we've covered it all we're both buying this episode uh now comes the time for Voyager now I said that Voyager was my least favorite Star Trek series I'm is that revising the that the old lady? that's the old lady as you put it yes I'm revising that now Voyager is not my least favorite Star Trek series because that's Discovery now, but who knows, maybe Season 2 will change, which by the time you're hearing this, Discovery Season 2 will be starting probably within a day or two. We will get a review out for that over the weekend. Um, We wanted to do all these Star Trek episodes. The reason this one came late, because we mentioned at the end of Next Generation that I had to fly out to Calgary, so we were going to have to record it and do two back-to-back. We were going to do the same thing this week. We didn't have time to do two back-to-back. It took longer to, you know... Uh, get ready for my trip then i thought i would leave earlier and then by the time i even got back it was like one in the morning when i was supposed to be back at like supper time so we're just gonna put these up once a week this will carry us through you know the rest of the month at least before rossi and i get on to something else
1: and do you, and do you even remember the stuff from discovery like there was that word that we kept saying tardigrade 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 tardigrade
0: and I hate that. So
1: I was gonna say, I, I'm not
0: looking forward to discovery.
1: You see, I, I was gonna say it sounded something like troglodyte. But troglodyte.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think you were spitting in my eye when you said troglodyte.
1: I actually don't even know what that means. The word, but I know when I was, well I know when I was younger, my older brothers would always be like, "You stupid troglodyte." All
0: right. So clearly, your brothers didn't know what a troglodyte was either. Um... <laughs> Why don't you read what a troglodyte is?
1: <laughs> a went cave teller from the Greek uh, trogi hole, mouse hole, and die in, Go dive in.
0: <laughs> you, you're kind of reading that like an ancient cave dweller, Jamie. <laughs> you want to try again?
1: No. Okay.
0: Uh, yeah, so they're calling you a troglodyte. doesn't really make sense either. <laughs> troglodyte, troglodyte, troglodyte. All right. Um, yeah, so we're... Going on to Voyager now, which my least favorite Star Trek series, next to Discovery. Um, Voyager ran around the same time as Star Trek. I think it started like while well Deep, while well Deep Space Nine was running. So this is interesting. We're actually Next Generation was on the air for the first few seasons, and then um, uh, what was it? Season four or five or six of close to the end of Next Generation. Deep Space Nine starts. So Deep Space Nine and Next Generation are on at the same time. Next Generation goes off the air, and they immediately go into pre-production on Voyager. Uh, so Voyager and Deep Space Nine run at the same time, which we're going to get again. We should mention at the time of recording this episode, they've just announced that Michelle Yeoh is getting her own Star Trek Discovery spin-off. Not to mention we're going to have the Picard spin-off. So this will be the first time we've ever had three Star Trek series on the air, which, because there's that gap of six months between Next Generation and Voyager... We've only really had two Star Trek shows on the air at any given time. Uh, But, yeah, Voyager ran at the same time, so it's going to be very similar but very different in tone. Now, other than the old lady, do you know anything about Voyager? No. Okay. Thank you. You, I know why you're the expert on these episodes. 172 episodes of Voyager. Uh, Which one are we going to land on? Episode 106 of Star Trek Voyager. What does that bring us to? We are in season number five. Episode number 12, The Bride of Chaotica. Okay, this one is kind of a fun episode. And uh, <laughs> this this one holds a little bit of, I'm not going to say history for Star Trek, but uh, Paris's latest holodeck adventure, The Adventures of Captain Proton, takes an unexpected term. This is one of the rare, really fun Voyager episodes. Not going to be as serious or dramatic as what we've been covering the last couple weeks, but it's a fun episode. Uh, Also, it was directed by the same director as this episode and written by Brian Fuller, who would go on to do tons of huge things in television, including creating Star Trek Discovery.
1: When he was younger, did he wet the bed?
0: Fuller wet the bed. I get it. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Fuller, go go
1: easy on the Pepsi.
0: (laughs) Episode uh, 106, Season 5, Episode 12, Bride of Chaotica. Uh, I think we're actually gonna have fun with Voyager here. I couldn't be happier. I'm excited. All right, you, you sound excited. Uh, should we do an Enterprise draw now, or should, we'll save that for the end of Voyager?
1: Yeah, we'll All save right. it. All
0: right, so we'll be back next week for Star Trek Voyager, but we will be back in a couple of days to do the season two premiere of Star Trek Discovery. Um,
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> there is some good stuff in Discovery, so uh, let's just hope it's you know not as painful as last season. Hopefully. Anyways, that is it. My name is Colin, and Jamie, you're such a troglodyte.
1: My name is Jamie, and you're the troglodyte.
0: Thank you for listening to The Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.